Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Hey, I'm O'Teal. And I'm Mike, and welcome to Comes a Time Podcast, episode two. We have the one and only Bob Weir. Um, wow, O'Teal. This was unbelievable for me. I know you were trying not to be a fanboy. <laughs> I called you in the beginning and was like, please don't let me be Chris Farley on this episode. <laughs> we're like, do you remember um do you remember uh, weather report suite? Uh that was awesome. No. It, to, to be able to uh you know, I watch you up there with them many times and I see the joy and I see the the, the and it, it made me so happy to be able to you know, what a profound, he's so sharp. I think, you know, he's working out a lot of muscles clearly as we see, but I think the muscle that is the strongest still is his mind. I mean, it's just amazing how, what, what, you know, poignant stuff he had and, and advice for, um, you know, folks taking part in the protest these days. Yeah. Just everything in general. He's a great interview and a great, I, I don't even like to use the word interview. I mean, it's just great to, uh, He's a great chat. You know what I mean? Like, it's just fun talking with him. And, it, and it's, uh, it's like that all the time with him, you know? Stuff really means a lot, you know? What we're thinking and feeling and meaning, you know? It, it means a lot, especially these days. Yeah. But all days. I mean, that was, their, that was their philosophy, you know? Every day. It's right now. And so it was really great to... Uh, get to talk to him for a good long time. You know? And I think, I think, uh, you know, not to, not to put the cart before the horse, but I think that this may be the first of a few. He seemed to have a good time uh, with us. Yeah. He was, he was excited to, to, you know, come. That's right. He had, a, he had a suggestion about the next one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a, which we're going to keep table. that a surprise. We're going to keep that a surprise <laughs> because that one, boy, you're going to need a seatbelt for that one. So uh, everybody enjoy our uh, our chat with Bob Weir. Thank you, Bob, for taking the time. And uh, Otiel, thank you, and I love you. And I'll uh, see you at episode three. <laughs> love you too, man. Comes a time when the blind man takes your hand. Says, Don't you see? Hey, I'm Otiel, and I'm Mike. And welcome to the Comes a Time podcast. And today, uh, it is an absolute honor and pleasure to have uh, with us 
the one and only Mr. Bob Weir. Hi, Bob. Hiya. It's great to see you and meet you, and uh, thank you so much for, for spending time. My pleasure is mine. Thank you for your kind attention. <laughs> uh, Bob, just to start before we get into, um, I want to dispel a rumor. I saw online that if live music doesn't come back soon, that you're considering throwing your hat in the ring for UFC title. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> <laughs> That's a close contact sport, too. But uh, <laughs> but it's limited participation, and you you kind of get your odds. The odds are more in your favor there. <laughs> they pulled off a lot of those UFC things. Uh, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's amazing. But uh, so, how have you been spending your quarantine? Did you do like the rest of us and kind of go nuts at first, and then? Well, you know, I I sort of Christ, it's been a while now. Christ, I, I you know, I have not been. Uh, home for this long for ever and uh or at least since i was a, a little kid um but uh i've been i've been sticking with it uh, uh you know I've, I've got a book that i gotta make that i gotta work on i'm working on an opera i'm working on a, a big big uh, orchestral piece um nice. and um i'm also trying to uh, i've got a little team assembled where we're trying to get uh get the get it so that we can play live from different separate locations uh live uh, over the internet and we're so you're they're working on the latency problem yeah we're working on the latency problem and uh and we we've just about got it not just we're we're if we're not there we're almost there now we got to see if we can do it i've been playing with uh with jay lane in uh yeah in San Francisco, and that's working. Now I got to be able to. Uh, now I'm going to try to get it up with uh, what Don was down in uh, in uh, in uh, Santa Monica. So but, wait a minute, you've already got it to where you and Jay can play together live, and you're not having the latency problem. Yeah, there are still issues that we're working on. the The quality of the transmissions and stuff like that is yeah. uh, is so so. But the uh, the thing is, you know, for instance, we can record um, over the system because everybody has their own dedicated recording uh, set up at home, and uh, and we can play together and uh, and then send the, the much much fatter files um, that we record at home to to, to put the, put all those together. And you got a record, so uh, and uh, and that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, and once again, it's everybody's playing together at the same time. So it's not a, a guy lays down his part and then sends it to somebody else, and they lay down their part. It's it's people influencing each other, influence each, uh, influencing yeah. each other um, right now. Yeah, because it kills the jam. I'm like, how do we jam? You can't jam. Like it's the, it kills the whole thing. Soon That's come. Amazing. Soon come. I think. Yes. I do uh, stand-up comedy for a living, Bob, and it's we've had some uh, shows that people have asked us to do on Zoom, and it's virtually impossible to try to do anything in the moment and tell jokes. And I mean, you end up doing crowd work about someone's couch or their cat standing behind their head, and it's weird. It, it's 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 a strange new existence that we're in. Well, I, so. I know a couple guys at Zoom, and. Uh, and there is a way that you know if you can do this with a in front of a great big screen, 
-hmm. with a bunch of little boxes, you know, you can get 50 of them up there. And, um, and, um, and so you can be playing to that at least. Right. And, uh, you can be, you can be working that crowd. You know, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a, a, a packed house. It's not a, you know, a few hundred or a few thousand folks, but it's, you know, it's enough faces so you can't count them all at once. Absolutely. You know, what we really need is uh, everybody to have uh, virtual reality glasses so right. that it puts us in the venue. There you so go. Everybody that's watching has it. And then as a performer, we're seeing them yeah. in the audience. I guess they would all have to, I don't know. Well, Otiel, you know, it's funny. I did that. <laughs> I did, I did stand up. Uh, I did a stand-up show before the pandemic at Gotham Comedy Club in Chelsea in New York City. And right in the front of the stage, they had a um, one of the VR cameras and everyone at home would put on goggles. And if they looked to their left and right, they were in a seat of a theater next to other avatars. And you wow. would go on stage and do your set. And there was a live crowd there for us. But you could also check out this, you know, people yeah. watching in, you know, Israel and France and you know Minnesota. It was wild. It was really neat. That's cool. Yeah. Well, we're gonna need. You know, the thing is, and we're gonna get into this in a little bit. Uh, people who don't have the uh, the uh, you know the the funds to uh, to be able to afford all this kind of stuff are kind of left out in the cold, and uh, and that's you know that's something we're gonna have to address. I don't know how we we get around to this, but. Uh, but we need to, we need to, you know, this, this, this kind of thing right now, if, if we're all stuck um, doing our part by staying away from everybody, um, then how do we, how do, how do we, how do we get this kind of stuff across to everyone who's doing their part? That's very true. Yeah. That is a question that needs to be answered. Um, Bob, I had a chance to chat with you back in, 2002, very quickly backstage, you, Rat Dog and DJ Logic were playing uh -huh. together uh, in Massachusetts. I, when I was younger, I got the honor to spend some time with Ken Kesey on his farm in Oregon. Uh -huh. And uh, I met him at a fish concert and he invited me out to his farm. And I chatted with you real quick about that. And uh, I'm a student of the history of the Grateful Dead and the pranksters and everything. And you said something so he, you said he was so important to all of us and that Jerry was almost jealous in a way that he had that farm to retreat back to in Oregon. He could step into the limelight and turn the world a little bit and then go back and live a normal life. And that was something that Jerry and you, you know, unfortunately really couldn't. Right. Yeah. Well, Jerry wasn't a farmer and, and, and Ken was. <laughs> true. I mean, uh, yeah, that's true too. I, I remember reading one, uh, uh, essay he did a lengthy essay he did on, uh, on, basically, it was on the Oregon winter. It was, it was. Uh, I think it was published in. I think it was Esquire or something. Uh, uh, Ken Kesey's Bulls, I think, was the name of the uh, mm -hmm. Ebenezer, and I can't remember the other one's name. And uh, and he just uh, Kesey just described what it was like to be a bull in uh, in in a pasture in in up in Springfield, Oregon, and. Uh, and make it through a winter, which is just the bleakest. You know, Oregon winters are pretty dim. You know, they're cold and wet, and uh, and endlessly so. And uh, you know, his, his Kesey was just a wonderful writer, and he uh, you know somehow instilled in you the the, 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 
<laughs> this, I'm not sure that I buy it, but this notion that uh, enduring the Oregon winters was worth it for some <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but he, he not, not sure I buy it, it either. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'll stay in New York. Uh, at least we have places to hide here. But it's so cool to um, – I had a chance to chat with him. I, I got to meet the guy who – seem to be a big inspiration to my heroes, you guys. And, and, you know, those early acid test days must have been such an unbelievably, you know, profound experience to, to experience firsthand like you did. Well, like I say, I'm writing a book. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm just getting to that part right now where I, I get to dive into that. And it's... Uh, it's going to be a little adventure for me because I I have to go back there now. I have to I have to see what uh, see what's stuck around, and uh, and also see, you know what 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 it made of me. Um, and it's about time I actually took a look at it. I guess because uh, I don't think I ever really did. You know, I just assumed okay. We made it. Uh, we made it through the acid tests. Uh, what's next? And uh, and it's always been a, a proposition of what's next. And now I have a. I have more or less not just a chance, but a, a, a sort of a duty. I think to uh, to to sort through all that stuff and and uh, and and see what that what kind of uh, humanity that that constructed all, all that constructed in me. And um, <laughs> see if there's a if there's a picture there that might be of any value to anyone else. Oh, there is. I mean, that's why we wanted to have you on the podcast because you know um, the seeing all the events happening today, and I think you know you guys were alive when all this went down the last time, and I always wonder what you think of it, you know, from that viewpoint and. I'm sure you think, oh, some things, some things we did were mistakes, and some things that are going now, maybe they are not doing that they need to do, or, or just whatever. It's just you know the that history. I know you have it in your head. We're glad to have you on to get your perspective on all of it. You know. You know, I wonder. You know, things happen so fast these days that nobody ever takes time to to assess you know, properly assess what's going on with them, what's going on in, in general, and, uh, and make, uh, you, know, uh, an, uh, you know, anything resembling an astute uh, decision uh, about how to proceed. And I wonder, I wonder if, uh, if there isn't some, you know, greater consciousness, whether it be the collective unconscious or, or, a god, if there is such a thing, or what, or, or you know, or Gaia, or whatever you want to call it, that's that's uh, actually sort of saying, "Hey, everybody, chill for a minute and think things over." Yeah. Because um, if you don't, <laughs> you know, you're going to be pushing up daisies, and it, it won't, yeah. you know, whatever you didn't. Uh, whatever you didn't decide to do or didn't uh, reflect on doesn't matter because you won't be here. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that too. I feel like uh, mother nature 
and whatever you want to call it, hit the pause button, you know, like for all the bad things that are going on right now, nature is still getting a break. All these planes aren't in the air and all that, you know, there's a, there's a time of uh, healing and, you know, and so I think it's, like you say, it seems like it's across the board, like we're forced to stop now mm. and assess and reassess and talk, you know, like uh, clearly also, March, do all these things, you know, and uh, I, I think well, it's a good thing, you know. It's a, it's a, everybody is sort of online, so everybody's still sort of communicating, but a lot of the frenzy that goes on, or a lot of the shopping, a lot of the uh, the running around, doing errands and stuff like that, is is sort of uh, you know diminished a bunch. And so everybody has to put some thought to everything that's going on. Yeah. And uh, that's what you know. That's if there's anything that uh, that separates us from the rest of the you know rest of uh, creation is the fact that we can think things through. Um, <laughs> Double-edged <well>, sword. <laughs> possibility that some of the uh, some of the larger primates or elephants or, or uh, dolphins also think mm -hmm. things through, but we 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 haven't we haven't broken through the uh, communication barriers to be able to figure that out yet. So as far as we know, we're the only ones who think about things, <laughs> and um, we're really the only ones that commit genocide. So. <laughs> you know, thinking it that far, you know, like. I wonder. I wonder if you know. For instance, the uh, before before humans became the uh, the number one predators on Earth, um, wolves were the, uh, the 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 number one predators on Earth. And there's uh, there is some evidence to support the contention that they committed genocides um, on other wolves. Just you know, hunting, hunting, all the stuff that was easiest to get, mm. Mm. and uh, and uh, and so uh, you know whether it be a, a particularly slow kind of rabbit or something like that. So that was you know that was that was evolution at work. But that was still a need. That was still need driven. Like we're yeah. hungry. Oops, we ate it all. It's not like we all have what we need. But you guys need to all die and not be on the planet anymore. <laughs> you know, that's a different. Is there, level is there some sort of need there? And is is that need real? And you know, like you know, these are the kind of that's this kind of stuff that we kind of have to sort out I think. well and that's also like you, you made a good point that like with everything on pause it's like you have to stop my, my wife is a uh, is an intensive care she's a nurse practitioner and she throughout the entire first wave of this pandemic uh you know anxiety is a thing that one saving grace about anxiety is you can remind yourself that it's fake that it's imaginary and it's all in my head but then when life becomes what you're worried about and seeing her leave for work every day and come back and just be dead tired from working on saving people's lives. You go through that fear, you exist and live in it. And now you look back on it and go, what did I take from it? Kind of similar to what you were talking about with the, with the acid test. It's like the things that, what did, who am I now looking back and what did I take from it? And, you know, through conversations with friends, other performers, you know, our lives are very different and very changed maybe forever with this, you know, travel is never going to be the same. And the way that we see the, our loved ones and it's all, everything has been turned a couple degrees 
And now we have to kind of step back and look at, you know, I agree with you. It's all very like profound and, and thought provoking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, also, there are people who are, who are, it, it appears at least as though there are people who are dead set against taking this moment's pause. <laughs> and in I know. Those places, in those places where there, there are substantial numbers of those people, um, COVID is going through the roof. That's terrible. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so maybe, maybe there's a picture there that they'll begin to see. I sure hope so. <laughs> Those were the folks yeah, that were they're... looking at New York and going, oh, it's not real. It's only in New York. It's a New York disease. And now they're, you know, uh, yeah. we're sending nurses there. Um, I, I, on the, I, I had the chance to, you know, doing stand-up, I've had the honor of performing in a lot of rooms that uh, you guys have. Perf- I got to do Radio City Music Hall. I got to do Nassau Coliseum. I uh, sure. had the chance, though, to do a very special, uh, I did Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom which I know is yeah. a special uh, place for you in particular because uh, Rat Dog was there. That was the day you found out about Jerry's passing. Right, yeah. Um, I was able to talk with the owners of the club. They, I walked in for a sound check with a Grateful Dead shirt on, and they were like, you want to see something cool? And they kind of talked me through you know, that experience and how you were there and everything. And uh, I've had that tape. I, I wore that tape out of you guys playing for uh, a couple times. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, to, I think about who stepped on the wood of the stage before I go on, no matter where I am. Right. Yeah. And just thinking about the fact that you had that heavy weight on your shoulders uh, playing that night. I mean, it was really special to be in that room. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, do you remember that evening? Do you remember that? Oh, how you, I mean, quite well, yeah. Uh, I was, I guess, a bit in shock, um, but at the same time, I don't tend to think of uh, of death as as particularly final, and um, and I also, I, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm going to be sad, that's my business because really, death is a liberation. I, I, my 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 view of things is that death death is the last and best reward for a life well lived. And, uh, and, uh, you know, because death is where the adventure starts, as far as I can see. Um, Sounds pretty cool. You've just been sort of messing around in, in this, uh, in this, this existence and, uh, and, and you get, you get to the, the, more to the essence of it, uh, when you, uh, when you leave behind your mortal trappings. And um, and so, given all that, I, I tend to celebrate death for uh, for uh, for my loved ones, particularly um, as a, as a, as liberation. And so, um, you know, and, you know, I look forward to dying. Uh, one of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna get around to it. <laughs> and. Uh, Don't take your time, but, you please. Know, I've got a lot of stuff to do be, to get ready to do that. And um, so there was that, and at the same time, I was, you know, uh, naturally I was real sad to have my old pal uh, out of here. And uh, I knew that I was going to miss a lot of the last, though I haven't really missed, missed them that much because they come back to me in dreams uh, or, you know, you know, old Jared's, you know, he's around. 
yeah. Um, he shows up in dreams and stuff like that. Real instructive sometimes. Um, and uh, and I kind of knew that that evening. That that was the way it was going to be now. But everything was slightly different. Um, but every day, every day things change. So uh, what the hell? Yeah. I, I, I just... Uh, it, when you think about that moment and we all kind of dealt with it the way O'Teal and I were actually talking before we got on with you about how, you know, I grew up, my, I found the grateful dead through my dad's records and records were the thing that I could communicate with him about. That was the thing we had was that in college basketball. So I would memorize the who, and I would memorize Quadrophenia and, and grateful dead albums and queen and Bowie. And, you guys were hanging on my wall when I was growing up. And then, you know, I dealt with Jerry's death in a different way. O'Teal, you know, we were talking about, it was almost kind of like, what, what, what was, what we talked about what it felt like a, like Kennedy or something. Like it was just, well, like I big, wasn't, you know, I wasn't really way into the band at that point, but the we were on the jam band scene well into it, you know, like, and um, so I was still learning about it. And, you know, so when on the jam band scene, Jerry dying was like Kennedy getting assassinated. Everybody I knew and knew of in the scene, you know, this, it was just so heavy, you know? So even from my perspective, I, you know, I remember uh, the gravity of it, you know, it was something, yeah, sure was. you know, Bob, you said something that I think is really, I, I'm so glad that you said it. <laughs> Because we, we have this thing that we talk about, you know, which is in the, the pranksters, Grateful Dead, you know, uh, it's almost a dogma, you know, about staying in the moment, you know, and it's hard for comedians, musicians, or just living in general to do that when the critic is always on over your shoulder going, you know, you're nah, 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 nah. And so we talk about, you know, trying to silence the critic helps you to stay in the moment, you know, and whether it's maybe LSD is good for that microdosing or what, whatever. But what you said, I think is really the key. You said, I'm getting ready for my death. Like I'm looking forward to my death. And all this work I'm doing is getting ready for that so that it will be a relief for a life well lived. And I thought that's the perfect way to silence the critic. Go away. I'm getting ready for my death, man. Right. I got, I got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> that's exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah thank that's you big. for that, Bob. That's such a huge thing for, yeah. I know just me and Mike personally. I'm like, <laughs> Bob, you, you know what? It, I, my brain just went. <laughs> Yeah, I think you did get something out of the acid tests. <laughs> that's the if it's just that. Yeah, yeah, that's you unbelievable. Done that. You've always like, I, I. That's why I find it fascinating. Like you hitting the stage in life where it's like that was the thing to do. With, you know, we were talking with uh, Mountain Girl about Keezy. It was about this is the work of art right now. What we're living this moment. Like yeah. And so, but at some point you're going to get to a stage like you're at, Bob, where you're like, okay, now I got to look back. Now the now is looking back and assessing like, well, where did I write? You know, that's really heavy. That's cool. Is it hard to write a book about yourself? <laughs> uh, no, because I just take a step back and, you know, my entire 
uh, or at least the last 30, 40 years of, uh, of my career, I've been, uh, I've been learning to uh, just simply by finding out what works and what doesn't, I've been learning to take a step back and, uh, in, in, in fact, just disappear if I can and let the character in the song um, uh, tell his or her story. Uh, I'll, I'll go back to a dream I had uh, a few months ago now. Uh, Jerry came to me in the dream, and um, he wanted to introduce a song to me. Oh, and uh, uh, he wanted to show me this song that he just uh, he just he had just met because uh, the point he was making is a song as a living uh, a living organism, and uh, and it comes and visits and uh, and and uh, you can hang with it and all that kind of stuff. You can interact with it. And then the song comes in the room and it, the, the song was, you know, he, the song was, it was a jazz ballad and we were going to sing a duet on it. And, uh, and the song itself comes, comes into the room and it's like a, a room size sort of uh, ethereal, uh, something like a, you know, an old English sheepdog. It was, it was, uh, it came up and sniffed me and, uh, and, uh, and I batted it a little bit and it, uh, you know, it snapped at me and, uh, we, we had a little tussle and, uh, got to know each other and, and, uh, the way I am with, uh, with pets. And, um, and he was that way. It was playful. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, and then we sort of, we sort of, eased into the song and we were, we were singing it. Um, I don't remember the song. I wish I could. I can't go, I can't quite put my, maybe, maybe it'll come to me, uh, at some other time, but, uh, you know, there we were, uh, doing the song. And so the song was, uh, I can't remember where I got started on this, but, uh, the song was, uh, you know, I, I learned in that dream that the, that, you know, it's something that I had, uh, suspected for a long time but it finally became real clear to me that a song is a living critter um and uh you know if you if you write a song it's you're just you're basically you're, you're being a sort of a midwife uh this 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 living critter is coming through from another another dimension another world and uh in visiting well anyway so um I I had suspected this all along and uh, and been operating under that assumption and uh, and so when I when I sing a song uh, you know I I'm not there you see, the guy you see in front of the microphone is not there uh, I I may look like me but I'm not <laughs> I'm this other guy or if I'm just playing if I'm playing along I'm part of the scenery. Uh, and I'm I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to express that scenery um, with with my instrument if if I'm just playing. If that uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It does. I I think it uh, it happens to uh, even in just uh, instrumental music. You know, and uh, yeah, classical Indian music. They say at a certain point after so much practice and you're playing and you're in the flow and you're just so in the zone. And then all of a sudden, they the way they characterize it, they say your guru takes over. 
And when they said that, I was like, I remember times when that happened, especially playing with my brother, because we have such a, a, we could just hook up so strong and we would mess up at the same time, play the same thing at the same time. My hands were do things that I did not plan to do on their own. Right. And I was like, whoa. And thank God people were taping all our shows because I had to go back and figure that out sometimes like that. But it's that thing where you step aside, like so you're not there. Like you've trained your body to do this thing enough to where you can like exit. You can be right to the left and literally be watching it happen. And you're all connected together with everybody else jamming it. Hmm. That's what, yeah. that's the goal, you know? So when you're singing a black throated wind, you're singing from the eyes of that yeah, hitchhiker. That's yeah. That's and, and you can hear that and you know, as a fan and as someone who looks deep into the lyrics and looks into the messages, I think the gift that Grateful Dead fans and, and Jam you know, you guys there's a, a a absolute, you know, litany of lyrics that you can go to in times that you you know, the future is here, we are it, we are on our own, has been playing over and over in my head since these protests and the, the COVID and the whole thing. And I think about the lyrics, but also I feel that I've learned a lot about how to live even as a performer and as a person uh, with the way that the, the dead kind of set that path. You guys, you've said some things in interviews, Bob, where it's like, you're asked like, what did you guys think back then that you were going to have this? And real quick, you go, we didn't think back then. <laughs> and it's just a freeing, you know, you, you, you sidestepping fame and just like, you know, satiating your own goals. Yeah. It's moments like that, that really, I mean, speak to us, I feel, and I'll speak for myself, but it's like beyond that music, it's beyond the song that it's like coming from guys who really sincerely believe it. Yeah. You know, those songs are real. Those people, those, those, those characters are real. They uh, they exist. They they they're they're living critters, and they, you know, a lot of those critters, a lot of those living critters are going to outlive us by a long shot. You know, many times our lifespans, and uh, and so you, you got to come to some sort of respect for them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, certain songs of I mean, and I mean, various different things. Vincent. Uh, the Don McLean song about Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. I heard that recently during, when you look at a playlist during this quarantine, you can tell the mood that you're in by the songs that you added to your playlist. And it's like, boy, that was a dark time that I was, <laughs> must've been a, a day of three days of straight rain and, and uh, you know, a lot of numbers going up because music does it, it transfer. I've, I've read Kerouac's on the road five or six different times in my life. And every time I read it, it means something different to me, you know? And it's just that, that, kind of beauty that's what music always it, it, it's a living organism it changes as time goes on so absolutely yeah this podcast was probably almost named throwing stones or <laughs> we went through a bunch of stuff <laughs> hey there osiris listeners i wanted to tell you about our friends over at smart wool for more than 25 years smart wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. 
because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. Bob, can I ask you a question about your playing style and, uh, you know, you learning uh, a very unique way of playing rhythm and listening to McCoy Tyner and those jazz pianists and how they phrased chords. Do you feel that maybe dyslexia was like a blessing in disguise with the way that you learned in the band that you played in? Because it seems like you found an unconventional way to find rhythm that no one else does. Well, dyslexia is a, is a huge advantage for me in, in many regards. It's, you know, it, 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 it forced me to, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to read music. So, uh, you know, that's not a move on the board for somebody who's profoundly dyslexic. And, um, and so I had to use my ears and listen. And at first, you know, I was copying licks off of records and stuff like that or tapes. Um, and then, um, then when I started playing with folks, I, I started listening to what they were doing and, uh, and, and watching as well. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, getting my library of licks up and, uh, and, and going. And, uh, and then somewhere fairly early on, I started listening in, on another level in real time where I started using my intuition as well as, uh, as listening and, and intuiting where folks were going with uh, what they were doing. And, uh, you know, if Jerry or Phil or, or, or Keith or Brent or whoever was headed in some direction, um, okay, I know this guy. I know where, I know where he lives. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to get to where he's going. And when, he, when we both get there, I want to be there with a little surprise for him. Um, and that was the game that we played. And and we just sort of batted each other around like that, and uh, and it, it worked, you know. And, and it wasn't that wasn't anything new. I mean, the the folks John Coltrane, Miles Davis, um, and their piano players, uh, Will Evans, uh, uh, you know, McCoy Tyner, those guys, uh, you know, well, for Christ's sake. Uh, those guys were, you know, had been doing that for a long time. And you know, it's fairly intellectual. Sometimes it can be too dry and too intellectual. And, and, uh, and that's something that, uh, that I've tried to avoid. Um, you know, it, it has to be kind of sexy as far as I'm concerned as well. <laughs> and uh, and um so that's you know that's been our mo or the game that we've been playing for for years and it's worked well for us and it keeps us amused and it keeps us dedicated and uh, and and we find fulfillment in it. Well, we damn, it's been a long time since we've been able to do it. Yeah, I know. Holy shit. <sighs> yeah, this, this is definitely the bummer. longest I've been off uh, since I was, you know. 19 years old yeah me maybe more than longer than that yeah 
I was telling O'Teal that I have a live, I have a stand-up show. I haven't told, I haven't gone on stage once since March 12th and I have to do an hour on Saturday at an outdoor, like an outdoor comedy show. And I am, I have no idea what the hell I'm, I don't remember any of my jokes. I feel like everything that I wrote with pre-COVID, it's like talking about another I might as well be doing jokes about like the woolly mammoth. Like it doesn't, nothing even seems to be the same anymore, you know? So I'm interested on like how to go and just pop that, you know, fear bubble right away and just let it go and see what happens. Cause you know, something really cool happened when I was young doing stand up. an older comic saw me jotting in my notes. I had a set that didn't go well and I came back and I was crossing things off and circling and, you know, making notes. And a guy came over and goes, these people are never going to be in a room together ever again like just go up and have fun and they'll have fun with you and it kind of this was one of those like that comes with time I think that comes with age and it gave me a freedom to kind of think like okay so the world's not going to end if I don't have a bad if, if I have a bad you know show or I, I, I botch a punchline or something you go through that whole middle part of your life where you you're busy learning how to be a kid again <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. That's Bob, Bob Dylan always said, I always love that line. Like I'm, I was so much older then. I'm younger than that now. Like I love that line so much. I think that was such a great gift of the acid test though, because it was like, there was no pressure to be good. And so, you know, even though I still put pressure on myself when we do a dead company show, it's like, Hey man, the only thing you want to do is like connect and hopefully find those moments like you don't have to be whatever you know and uh that's it's it's a hard thing to learn i feel like it was built into the grateful dead which is really really a great gift you know yeah we just found it um it was the right chemistry um you know i basically i knocked on on the back door of dana morgan music uh, uh back in 19 late or early the first the last day of uh last day of 1963 and jerry came to the door and uh hey what's up um and uh and that's what we found we we sat down and played that evening and uh decided that was too much fun to just walk away from there might be something there to kick around for a while and it turned out we were right about that and and uh And that, like I say, that's what we found is uh, that approach. We just, you know, you, you know, just get the ball rolling and, yeah. uh, and see where it takes you. Thank God you didn't overthink it later or like kill that. Like something then you knew that that was the thing and held on to it and didn't well, like, I, you know. I've seen it happen with a lot of bands. They get first record deal and go in the studio and everything just gets completely changed you know yeah you know for some reason we uh we we had uh limited uh limited faith in our ability to figure out what to what to do right when uh when things were just sort of falling into place for us let's just let that happen I love those stories that I heard about. They wanted the, the, the record company wanted a record and you, you're like, we need to go out to the desert and capture a half hour of still air. And then we need to go to the freeway and capture. And I'm, I just love that so much. It's like, we're just going to do it our way. You're going to have to build your machine around us. That's such a wonderful way to live. Otherwise, 
we we can't do what uh, we can't do what people want us to do with any any anything resembling any authority or uh, you know you know it just it wouldn't it wouldn't be us it wouldn't be what people come to to hear us for and uh, and it wouldn't be what we showed up to to provide anyway yeah you gotta mean it in the in the the other one um the netflix documentary sammy hagar says something super cool about you about how just like you know number two meaning rhythm is like one of the most important jobs but to do it with no ego you really free yourself up for a lot of amazing experiences and a lot of talent and that's just such an interesting way of encapsulating that that like you did what you did like no one else. And, and it's just so wild that that led to the freedom for everybody that you played with, regardless from Jerry all the way up to now that you've set that foundation for everyone to be able to kind of, you do you and I'm here and I'll get to know you and we'll do this together and end in a fun spot. Yeah, you want a bump? Here's a bump. And, uh, and uh, here's another one. I love it. Yeah, life is volleyball. <laughs> yeah, I use some of my favorite records are uh, when you hear like Jimmy Smith with Kenny Burrell, and when Jimmy Smith is soloing, I'll never forget this one time I was listening. Kenny Burrell's just comping b- behind him, just playing. Yeah, he's, really he's supposed to be laying back, but it's so orchestral. It's so wide, diverse, rhythmically, harmonically. It's like here's the string part behind her. Here's the horn stabs behind. You know, and I thought, I didn't even listen to the solo. Like, I was listening yeah. to what Burrell right was playing. But, and I could, and I do all the time. Like, I'll go back and listen again and just listen to the comps mm. behind the soloist because it's very orchestral and, and arrangement, even though it's improvised. And I, I really have felt like, felt that with Dead and Company and this music that there's that same thing because it's so rooted in improvisation. Even if it has a lot of structure, yeah, there's this architecture that gets built by like the wind, right? Yeah, yeah, making yeah. the sand fall into a castle, you know. And you know, if you're if you're playing a part, you want it to be inventive. You want it, you want it to be new, but at the same time, you you're you're sort of tethered to uh, to what you you're tethered to the theme that you stated to begin with uh so that uh, so that the guys can rely on you for that so there's a balance there that uh it's 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 fun it's yeah. a huge balancing juggling act is it hard when um or probably just different uh i happen to be i was at shoreline in 2000 seeing fish you came out and played with them in el paso west la fadeaway and a, a fish song when you're sitting in with another band um that maybe only has one guitar player or uh is it a different uh is it just you know playing catch with another you know pitcher is it just learning how to adapt and react or is it after these many years it's just you're gonna do you all, all the bands that I sit in with are so different that uh, the, the chemistry is so different that there's really no pattern that I can, <laughs> that I can distinguish. It's, it's uh, each one's just a new little adventure. It's fun. Otil and I were talking about the amazing uh, energy and, and spirit uh, of Fare Thee Well. Otil, remember we were talking about that first night and how uh, unbelievable it was. Um, that was a moment. I was there. Otil was there. Bob, you were there. <laughs> um, to, to go back to Soldier Field and to do it there in such a special place. I mean, 
that that must have been still something that you're you're vibrating from with that oh yeah uh, you know it was it was a treat to see all those faces and stuff like that and yeah have everyone come together and be one like that i got a question for you you know as someone like i've had lots of mystical stuff happen to me in my life since i was really young and uh i realized when we were talking to melvin recently uh, both times that i saw you guys like we were talking about you know like when the band hits this thing and everybody knows it and all of a sudden it's just like this huge thing and it's palpable it's like you can almost touch it it's tangible you know but the first time I saw you guys, the only time I saw you with Jerry, you were playing uh, in Vegas, and it was outdoors and just hot as hell. I just remember being so hot. And I was in the crowd and just, like, checking out the whole spectacle of it. And it was uh, – it felt amazing and felt good. And then – but what struck me was when um, – Mickey, it was in drums and space. Mickey hit the beam, and all of a sudden, all this thunder happened, and it just started pouring down rain. And you know, I'm looking around like, this is crazy, you know. I was like, okay, that was definitely a thing. Well, then, many, 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 many years, I was like 92 or three or something. And uh, all these years later, first night of uh, Fare Thee Well, me and my wife are sitting up there, and you know, and I know, like, I'm waiting for the moment, you know, and then this it's going great. And then the, the big rainbow comes out and I was like, it happened again. And I was like, look at my wife. And she knows about the first time I was just like, what is it with that? I believe in mystical stuff. So I'm like, yeah, that's confirmation for me. But I guess my question to you is like, are, are you, have you had that same kind of experience in your life where you're like, you almost, you get excited, but you take it for granted too. Like, it's like, there you go. There you go again. You know? It's, it's, it, it's, I guess it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's uh, not enabling, but uh, it is a bit enabling. It's, it's a little bit of confirmation of, uh, the, you know, that you're, uh, that you're, you're, you know, you're, you're following your footsteps and they're taking you in the right direction. Uh, it's, that's that's the only way I can see it, uh, you know, when that kind of stuff happens. Uh, all right, okay, that's uh, that lets me know that I'm I'm doing my job. Yeah, on the Absolutely. right path. <laughs> um, you know, do you have looking back? Do you have an era that you prefer to listen to um, and and harken back on these days? If it's the early '60s or if it's the you know, 70s days, or is it by keyboard player? Do you uh, do you have a, a fondness to a certain era of Dead at the moment as a listener? You know, I think uh, the late 80s, um, when Brent was still with us, I think our vocal blend was the strongest at that point, and our storytelling was, uh, was uh, probably uh, at its peak. You know, we were all pretty good storytellers, or, you know, Jerry and I were pretty good storytellers. Brent was as well, you know, um, you know, when we were singing, you know, because singing is storytelling, and you know, any art is first, any, any artist, any artist of any stripe is first and foremost a storyteller, as far as I can see. Um, and, uh, 
and that was when that was the strongest as uh, uh, from in my recollection i love the vocal blend back then yeah that's right great. yeah I mean, it's it's the power great. of just it's unbelievable and the shakedown streams that you guys have lately where we're able to watch the shows um yeah. it's 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 amazing but it's also very uh it's pain. I've been calling it a double-edged butter knife because it's like not actually dangerous, but it's kind of, it hurts, but it, you look at these crowds and it's like, God, I wish, you know, we were talking about the other day, how that feeling that, that millisecond when the house lights go down and the stage lights go on and everybody has that collective, everybody's bodies just lunge forward a little bit because we're there to, you know, absorb the music and feel the music. And, you know, I think about now, um, you know, you could look to, down the aisle and see someone eyes closed having a moment and you feel at home and you feel what they feel and it's so important and to not be able to feel that now um boy it would do it, it would be the best medicine for all of us if we were able to you know experience some live music at this moment it, well it'll it, come i expect I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, we're hoping on, hoping on that vaccine to get going. Here. Yeah, I, I saw some good news on that on that front earlier today. So I, I guess uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody has a uh, has figured out how to get antibodies into people. Yeah, bring it on, man. Yeah, gosh, pretty successful. Well, well, you I want to ask you one question: If you could tell kids today. But that are out there, you know, protesting, trying to get things changed in this absolutely insane time. What advice would you give them? I know it's a hard, that's a big question and a loaded question. Well, I got, I got some notes here. And uh, the first, uh, I, this is the, the new manager of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, um, they're fairly interesting ball club. Uh, their new manager uh, had a quote uh, regarding uh, people kneeling during the, uh, during the national anthem. And he said, there's nothing more patriotic than peaceful protest. Um, yeah. But keep it peaceful because uh, mm -hmm. there are folks who would love nothing more than to make this into a civil war, basically. And it is a civil war, but, it, uh, but their notion, their, their armaments... Are, uh, are, you know, bullets, rubber bullets right now, tear gas, that kind of stuff. Um, if, uh, if you're on the side of the peaceful protest, uh, uh, your armament is ideas. And I got to say, we got them outgunned. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to win this, this confrontation? Or do you just want to pop off? Mm -hmm. um, keep cool, keep peaceful. Keep it cool, keep it peaceful. Don't play their game. Keep it peaceful. And, uh, and stick with it. And because, uh, 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 you know, the Mahatma Gandhi, uh, he, he wrote the playbook. He, yeah. he knew what he was up to. He was a, a man of in, in, intense peace, and uh, and he uh, and he got that across to 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 people that you know you will prevail. Yeah, the right thing will prevail. 
the right ideas will prevail because that's the nature of evolution. But you you gotta you gotta toe the line. You gotta keep it feasible. Don't take their bait. Don't rise to their bait. Don't well, a lot of people don't. You know, I think they there's other people that try to take advantage. You know, but I love some of the the new inventive ways. Did you see the naked lady that came out yeah, that's in Portland? Inspired. <laughs> I was just like, wow. And you know, the cops didn't even realize if they had thought they could have been like, oh, well, we can arrest her for a indecent exposure and take her out of here. But you know, they were so thrown off. It was yeah. totally peaceful. Yeah, it's just amazing. amazing. Mothers and now. And they left after like 10 minutes. They just didn't even know what to do. And I was like, wow, if we could keep getting creative like that. No, what a girl. My you know? <laughs> yeah, really. I know. Like, wow, that was just That's brave. unbelievable. Yeah. This something that uh, you or I, I don't think could get away with. But no, no, not. <laughs> I ain't walking my black ass out to the naked. <laughs> you don't want to see my hairy ass either on the, on the, on the trending you know, like, on Twitter. See the moms out there with their bicycle helmets on and then the dads joined them after with their leaf blowers blowing away the tear gas. You know, yeah. I just thought that was awesome. Leaf blowers against like, you know, stormtroopers. Yeah. But, you know, it was cool. No, you know, uh, you know, I... I'm I'm firmly uh, I'm I'm with those folks. I got a you know I'm in an age group where I I, I have to sort of you know if if they put uh, if they if they bring troops to uh, those troops to Oakland, I'm going to be hard pressed to stay home, and though I should be because you know I'm I'm not in the the age uh, bracket where you should be out and about but uh that's okay man we got this bob we I'm will fly think, your flag I'm bro the part about that because yeah. uh because that's that's where i want to be but uh like i say we have we have the ideas we have the feeling we have we're right we're correct our footsteps are are headed the right direction and their their footsteps are headed no direction their heels are dug in and um and and so uh, the river will move forward. The river will finally make it to the sea. And, uh, and uh, you just have to know that. Just go about, go about, go about what you have to do, but do it, do it with peace. Yeah. It's tough to do that. I mean, you look at the, um, the original uh, freedom riders and stuff, you know, I mean, they went through so much training. Yeah. They would have people spit on them and yeah. call them the N word and dump milkshakes on top of their head and do all kinds of things, you know, and they endured far worse than that. I mean, beatings and, well, and terrorism, you know, but they stayed, you know, <laughs> then they, then, the, then there's the footage of the, uh, the, the, uh, the plane clothes, Plainclothes cops passing out the bricks at oh uh, god at, I know at, at riots and stuff like that. Don't yeah. rise to the bait. Right. Don't yeah. that brick up. It'd be if smart. Somebody's doing that brick. It's either some hothead who's just there to pop off, or it's mm -hmm. somebody who's been planted there to, exactly. to cause trouble so that they can so that they can maximize that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, don't do it. Don't go yeah. for it. If be, we gotta all be the naked lady, <laughs> then maybe we got to. 
you know, because that's the thing. It's like they're always going to use a peaceful protest, like you said, whether it's just some idiot that wants to pop off or whether it's an agent provocateur. And you have to stay, you know, like in your thing. Stay centered. It's a hard thing when they're trying to make the chaos around you. But it's it's cool because we do have the videos. Everybody's got the video camera. They can see, hey, this is a white woman that was sitting down in a non-threatening position, and you just came and kicked the shit out of her. Oh, white guy, he knocked over. He's bleeding out his ear. He was not, you know, like yeah, they, we could see, we could see, you know. So I, that is the that's the message, you know. Stay in there and and stay peaceful. Stay centered. Stay centered. You know, and be good-natured. You know, the thing about the thing about the you know the folks the folks the the minions of oppression is they're mean-spirited, and uh, and they don't see themselves that way, of course, but they are. But they you know they've got themselves talked into uh, thinking that uh, you know. What's good enough for my granddad was good enough for me. It probably wasn't good enough for his granddad, but he he, uh, he hasn't thought, thought that one through. We don't uh, use leeches anymore, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. It's everyday things change. The only the only way that you can manage that those kind of changes is to stay stay centered. Digging your heels in is not gonna is not gonna is eventually not gonna work. It never has, and it never will. Right. To be water and be fluid and, and yeah. adapt to the changes. Um, I, I, I look at the past couple of months, whether it's the protests and the pandemic or various different times in my life that, whether good or bad, um, I am so unbelievably grateful that I was able to have uh, your music as a soundtrack and and your music as a hug when i needed it and a, a best friend on the road alone trying to get my career going as a stand up staying in garbage hotels and all i have to do is throw on my headphones and i'm i'm hanging out with my best buddies so i just from the very very bottom of my heart bob thank uh-huh. you so much for for all of it and for i learned about real roots of music from you I like to know what my favorite musicians are listening to and what inspired you. And I like to go deep in those channels. And I learned about the history of music because of you and Jerry and Phil and, and the drummers and, and, and everybody. So I just, I, I couldn't say thank you enough for everything that you've given to me in my life. And it's an honor to, to be here chatting with you. All right. Great. Thank you. And I want to thank you too, Bob, because you know what's funny you guys music is the soundtrack to my kids life like every morning <laughs> we go copy's like fire she wants to hear her she loves fire on the mountain and now nigel's completely enthralled with the the blues for allah version of franklin's tower and uh <laughs> that drum beat that Bill's playing it's like this funky low bit and so every morning I, I sometimes I want to screenshot it and like send it to you guys because they're sick you know Nigel's in the back roll away and uh it's just really great you know it, it's given us a lot through a hard time and I listen to old dead stuff around here a lot 
You've done a lot. It makes me feel better and it it makes my kids feel better and watching them get off on it. It's, it's priceless as we're going through all this. So thank you for me too, brother. Thank you all. You know, on the subject of listening to stuff, uh, I'm only listening to vinyl these days. I may get into high res. uh, I may start dipping into high res uh, uh, digital, but, Right now, I, I just got to say, I'm, I'm sort of uh, evangelical about this. Uh, vinyl, and to some degree high-res digital, is so much easier on your, uh, on your brain. Because uh, if, if you listen to, uh, if you listen to a, a, say, a, a dove, uh, out in, a dove puts out a, a waveform when it's, it's called, it looks kind of like, it's pretty much a sine wave and it looks like this and if you put a microphone on that and record it the recording looks pretty much like this and then you record it digitally and it looks like this Mm. and uh, and each of those little samples is a is a basically a postcard of that waveform that uh, that uh, your uh, your ears hear and that goes to your brain and your brain has to struggle and it has to work to, to assemble that and make sense out of it. Oh, oh, yeah, that's supposed to sound like this. But mm. the thing is, uh, your brain doesn't want to work if it doesn't have to. And so, um, and so it, uh, if, you, if, you, if you were wearing an electrode hat and looking at your brain on a screen, uh, your, stress, your stress centers sort of in the would be lighting up whereas if you were listening to uh analog music they wouldn't be yeah so uh so there's a basically what i'm telling you is digital music induces stress um and it doesn't need to be there all you need to do is just uh break out your your old vinyl collection yeah dust off your uh dust off your your turntable and uh and get rocking <laughs> absolutely a digital I, I, takes a one wave and segregates it into a million different little snapshots of a wave and your brain's yeah. fragmented it's, like, it's so true and you know it's so funny i just acquired an uncle recently passed and i acquired some uh albums of his and like first pressings of like highway 61 and oh. and rubber soul and uh i mean just some of the early stones and you know that crackle going into that music is just you're like yeah this is the way it was supposed to be heard Absolutely. i even love the distortion man like when aretha would just hit a mic and it would just right 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 under the pressure you know but the distortion even sounded like a yeah, hug you know <laughs> yeah it, yeah even, harm, even harmonic distortion because uh, she was she was overdriving tubes and uh <laughs> and uh and, and it's you know it's it's pleasing to the ear where the whereas Odd harmonic distortion is not pleasing to the ears, but uh, <laughs> but that's a that's a that's a separate conversation. Yeah. That'll be <laughs> volume two of our talk. Is there anything in particular, Bob, that you're listening to right now? Are you uh, in the moment? Are you uh, you know? Well, I just got I just got my vinyl copy of Dylan's new record. I haven't heard it yet, so I'm going to pop that one on. Awesome. Quick. It was what I didn't hear it. Bob Dylan's. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, well, man, thank-, thank you so much, Bob. We don't want to keep you all day, but this has been really great, man. And for the days between, 
we just couldn't ask for more. And uh, glad we, it's a silver lining of the pandemic. We probably would never have caught you. <laughs> You'd be out on the road somewhere. God, like, yeah. I'd be throwing my comedy CD at you over a fence. Like, please listen. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'll, look I'll send it to you. Absolutely. I will. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening. And uh, we'll be back next time. All right. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.